0: support for kansas city today comes from grandma's office catering one bank teller instead of the usual five slow fast food lines simply not enough staff grandma's office catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect appreciation better wages and now health insurance that's how grandma continues to wow grandmascatering.com
1: this is kansas city today i'm Nomi gia dean today is wednesday march 23rd coming up Decades of research shows some medications are very effective at helping people overcome drug use disorders. A few Kansas counties are now allowing this kind of medical care for people in jail.
0: That is a big development. Overdose after leaving incarceration is its own kind of public health epidemic.
1: Plus, the trial of a University of Kansas professor accused of spying for the Chinese government began this week. We'll bring you a special report from NPR. But first, some headlines. Sheena Greitens said yesterday that she stood by her allegations of abuse by her ex-husband, former Missouri Governor Eric Casey KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez has more. Sheena Greitens said Tuesday that she did not discuss with anybody except her lawyer the domestic abuse allegations she made the day before about her former husband, Eric Greitens. Her statement was an apparent response to Eric Greitens going on former President Trump advisor Steve Bannon's show on Monday. During that appearance, he suggested that Sheena drummed up the allegations with political operatives in Washington, D.C. In an affidavit filed in court Monday, Sheena said she witnessed her ex-husband striking the couple's then three-year-old son and yanking him by the the hair in 2018, among other examples of abuse. Sheena said Tuesday that she wanted to keep family matters private and will only offer documents and testimony in court. The University of Missouri, Kansas City, has agreed to a $625,000 settlement with a former professor who claims that he was fired for exposing efforts to inflate the business school's rankings. KCUR's Jody Fortino reports. The Kansas City Star reported that Richard Arend was key in its 2014 investigation, which questioned the validity of the Henry W. Block School of Management's top rankings. An independent audit in 2015 supported one of the school's rankings, but found school officials did inflate data about enrollment and programs to the Princeton Review. UMKC and Arend issued a joint statement on Tuesday that acknowledged his role in bringing attention to the issue. Both agreed not to comment further on the settlement. The Kansas Senate has approved legislation to ban transgender girls and women from participating in girls and women's sports from elementary school through college. Jim McLean of the Kansas News Service reports from Topeka. Supporters of the Kansas bill say the physiology of transgender athletes gives them an unfair advantage when competing against cisgender girls and women. Opponents say it's aimed at placating conservative voters, not at solving a real problem. They say it would add to the rejection that causes an alarming number of transgender children to attempt suicide. Senator Brenda Dietrich, a former Topeka school superintendent, was the only Republican to vote against the bill.
2: I'm particularly concerned about our youngest children and their desire to find their place in the world. And so this bill just hurts my heart.
1: The proposed ban, which mirrors those enacted in several other Republican-led states, now goes to the Kansas House. Opening arguments began today in the federal trial of University of Kansas Professor Franklin Tao. He was arrested under a Trump-era Department of Justice program called the China Initiative, meant to root out Chinese spies. Last month, the DOJ ended that program, but it didn't end existing cases like Tao's, nor did it put to rest concerns about racial bias. NPR China affairs correspondent John Ruwich brings us this story.
3: In a whirlwind of preparation and stress for his trial, Franklin Tao and his wife, Hong Peng, made time for church. There, they held hands with members of the congregation at the Lawrence Chinese Evangelical Church and prayed. For faith, for strength, and for justice to prevail in the courtroom. Tao's wife, Peng, remembers how it began two and a half years ago. It was their twin's first day of high school. Tao was on his way back from a trip, and she was home alone. Around 9 o'clock, I heard loud pounding on the door. She opened it and saw more than a dozen FBI agents.
1: So they searched every corner of our house, took all the electronics away.
3: Tao was arrested shortly after. What neither Pang nor Tao can remember, she says, is whether they even noticed— when nine months earlier, then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions launched the China Initiative.
0: Thank you for being here. And we have, um, I think, an important announcement
3: for today. It was the for first country-specific United crime-fighting Texas campaign of its, its kind. And, and it came just months after President Trump kicked off his trade war with China, as suspicion in increased and relations between the two countries deteriorated.
0: This initiative will identify priority trade theft cases Ensure that we have enough resources... But the
3: scope was amorphous, and soon the program expanded beyond pure trade theft. Take Tao, for example. He's a Princeton-trained expert in something called nanoparticle catalysis. It's obscure, and he conducted what's known as basic research, several steps away from real-world applications. But he was the first of many scholars to be arrested, and that set off alarm bells about the China Initiative...
2: Almost immediately there was this fear about the potential for racial profiling.
3: Eileen Guo is a journalist with the MIT Technology Review. She and a colleague trolled through court filings and the DOJ website to compile one of the clearest pictures yet of the China Initiative. They identified 77 cases and over 150 defendants. And Guo says the vast majority of those charged were of Chinese heritage. Many have been untouchable because they're overseas. A lot, though, like Tao, are at U.S. universities.
2: All of the research integrity cases, again, primarily of academics, have been moving forward. To be clear, Tao is
3: not going on trial for spying or handing sensitive information to China, where he's still a citizen. He's charged with fraud and making false statements, essentially failure to disclose affiliations with a Chinese university and a government-run talent program. Tao pleaded not guilty at his arraignment. The DOJ declined to comment on the case. In academia, the China initiative has had a chilling effect, according to Ann Chi Lin, an associate professor of public policy at the University of Michigan.
1: The casualty is Chinese-American faculty in general, because it's creating a climate of fear.
3: A survey she conducted across five U.S. universities found that nearly a quarter of Chinese-American researchers don't feel safe in America or feel uncertain about whether they'll be safe here in the future, many because of these government investigations.
2: I think the prospect
1: of having your life destroyed in that way is terrifying to faculty, you know, even if they know they have done nothing wrong.
3: She says one in four of those she polled have considered avoiding federal grant applications altogether, a step that could jeopardize their research. MIT mechanical engineering professor Gang Chen is with them. He came under suspicion from the federal government in 2020 and was arrested under the China Initiative a year ago on charges similar to Tao's. Prosecutors dropped his case in January.
2: I'm not going to apply for government funding. I can't see how I can overcome that fear. Every time I feel a fall.
3: And that fear is also pushing would-be students, postdocs, and professors away from American universities, he says.
2: So this is really harmful to U.S.
3: Despite the official end of the China initiative last month, critics worry about the continuing possibility of civil rights abuses as the DOJ pursues bad actors helping other countries, including from China, which the FBI says is America's biggest threat. Maggie Lewis is a professor of law at Seton Hall University.
2: The name China Initiative is archived. It's no longer being used. But what remains to be seen is how material, how substantive that name change will be in practice.
3: The DOJ says academic integrity and research cases will essentially be treated more carefully going forward. But it's letting existing cases play out.
1: That was NPR China affairs correspondent John Ruich reporting from Lawrence. NPR reports Tal has been suspended from teaching and locked out of his lab. Hong Peng, his wife, has worked three jobs to keep the family afloat, but they've burned through their savings and friends started a GoFundMe page to help with their debt. Tal declined to talk to NPR so close to his trial, but Peng says it's been a nightmare and she's had moments of regret about ever coming to the United States. A few Kansas jails now allow medical treatment for people trying to beat opioid addiction that comes as overdoses kill more people than ever in Kansas and across the country. Kansas News Service reporter Celia Yopis-Jepson spoke with editor Stephen Caranda about the change.
0: So Celia, there are effective ways that doctors can help treat many drug and alcohol addictions with medications.
2: Yeah, it usually involves One of three medications buprenorphine, methadone, uh, naltrexone. And the goal of using medication together with counseling, for example, is um, that it helps reduce the cravings, ease the withdrawal symptoms, and It can even block the brain from being able to get high off of a variety of drugs.
0: What happens if you are someone who's on one of these medications and you end up going to jail?
2: Mostly people then lose access to their prescription. So that is the big issue. Most people who are incarcerated in the U.S. have drug use disorders. Now, we are seeing some jails change their policies.
0: I know Crawford County Jail in southeast Kansas has tried this. Uh, It's a voluntary program there. People can start treatment if they want, but it's not like part of a plea agreement or court ordered. What has been the result in Crawford County?
2: They started offering medical treatment for addiction in August of 2020, and more than 200 people stepped forward and said that they wanted to enter treatment. Most of them have continued care after leaving jail.
0: Compared to Crawford County, this is now also happening at a much bigger jail. Uh, Sedgwick County's jail in Wichita is starting to do this.
2: If you are one of those people that is already receiving treatment and then you land in jail, Sedgwick County Jail previously would have taken you off of your medication as soon as you landed in jail. But now they're allowing people to continue to receive their prescriptions. I spoke to Colonel Jared Schechter. He's the administrator of the jail there, and he told me, it just makes no sense to interrupt people's treatment.
0: Our jails are full of people who are families, friends, and neighbors. If they make a mistake and break a law or end up with a probation violation, end up in back at jail for a short period of time, should they be removed from this medication that's helping them with their addiction? Probably not. That's probably not the best way to help them reintegrate to the community.
2: Taking people suddenly off of their prescriptions um, causes, you know, withdrawal. And the second thing is that there's a higher risk of people overdosing on opioids after they leave jail if they're not receiving treatment while they're in jail. The next step for Sedgwick County is that they want to expand their program so that people who would like to start medical treatment in jail have that opportunity. Sedgwick County has been reviewing how much money it would take to do that.
0: So if I'm understanding correctly, the the whole idea here is we might be able to help people break the cycle of repeat offending and incarceration by helping them break their addictions.
2: Another important goal here is Saving lives. Here's Daniel Warren. He is a physician in Wichita and a professor at the University of Kansas School of Medicine there. Uh, He specializes in addiction treatment and um, he's really excited about the direction that Sedgwick County Jail is taking.
0: That is a big development. Overdose after leaving incarceration is its own kind of public health epidemic.
2: When people leave jail, if they are not receiving treatment for their opioid disorder, they're at a higher risk of overdosing and dying right when they get out of jail.
0: But how common is it to find this type of care in prisons or jails?
2: Researchers who are trying to pinpoint the answer to that question say it appears to still be very uncommon in jails across the US. And they see this as becoming more and more urgent Drug overdoses in the U.S. killed a record number of people in 2020, more than 90,000 people nationwide, nearly 500 in Kansas. And uh, the preliminary counts from 2021 all show that that year was even worse. So it's a dire situation. That was Kansas
1: News Service editor Stephen Coranda and reporter Celia Yopis-Jepson. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news coverage from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.